Can you hear me okay? I can. High and tight, loud and clear. Yeah. I feel like we need to hear that song. The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. <laughs> I worked out this morning. I Did you? I can't curl. This thing's like 40 pounds. You hit some tries for the guys. I didn't. I actually deadlifted. I'm getting that core back. Curls for the girls. Yeah. This thing's stupid. Uh, I did deadlift when we were in Ohio, and it was the worst decision of my life. <laughs> I mean, you go, you go from like behind a steering wheel driving just stiff as a board, and then you just go deadlift for the first time in like three no, months. No, the worst decision is doing it in the reverse order. Deadlifting and then squatting and deadlifting, then driving for twenty four hours. Well, we did that. Too. You get locked. You just get locked <laughs> into yeah. position. It's like if we weren't driving, we were sitting in a stand. So we were sitting. Yeah, it takes a toll on your body. That's for sure. Welcome, yeah. Welcome back. By the way, it feels good to be home. My it's my been... body just hates me right now, and clearly my health has reflected that. I just I don't know what I don't. So I guess we can start off with that. That drive was miserable. <laughs> so we uh to give a quick recap i started a little adventure I'm about just, a month ago i'm gonna hold this deer the whole time I just it's can't, super I mean, satisfying just, just right there oh the mass my fingertips barely touch yeah i mean the the crazy thing is is that deer's technically just like a mainframe six pointer at 184 84 yeah i i do i i didn't i didn't realize how big that thing was i really i really didn't I mean, I think you did. I think I did. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I knew he was extremely unique, but then there were some pictures where, you know, just like a side picture. I don't know. I just, I thought he was like upper 60s. I think what you do is you see a deer that you know is a shooter, and then you just like don't let your brain think about it too much because you like to be excited and surprised when you put your hands on him. Maybe that's part of it. But for me, the first, well, the first picture that you got of him where he's like squared up to the camera, I was like, yeah, that deer's, he's on the level of like Zeus and Lefty because his head, you can just tell by his head, his skull is so big. Yeah, I mean, there's there's only I feel like there's only been a handful of deer when you skull cap a deer uh, that have been on that level that we've killed. Mm-hmm. Zeus was definitely one of them. And it's just, it's just like a whole, it's like a dinosaur buck. Yeah. Like the thickness and width and density of that skull. And I, and that's not like just typical for old deer. We've killed old, old deer that like yeah. have just, they don't have that in them. That buck was, he is on the level of Zeus. And I, I had no idea. I really didn't. And his, like his body, his neck was huge. Like his neck was massive. But his body, I don't know if he was so old. And I pulled his teeth. So I really want to know. That's the first time we've ever actually, like, are going to age one legit. Yeah. But I got his teeth, and I want to send it off because I, I just don't know, like, I have no idea how old the deer is. So you, his body was pretty small or not not compare, not matching the size of his skull? No, yeah. I mean, he was a good-sized deer, but, like, not what you would think for Ohio. I, I don't know if he was just, like, old and worn down but he was that kentucky deer was almost as big as that ohio buck i killed last year where it was like you're you're looking at this deer and you're like holy crap this thing this body is just like something you've never seen before yeah and 
he wasn't like that. That's weird. I'd I'd have to look at the pics closer, but it looks like his like his head and his chest and shoulders are really big, but then he kind of like tapers down at the hips. Yeah, almost like how a, like a German Shepherd as they get older they kind of taper like that. And maybe he's just kind of worn down. I mean, but that I, deer has to be old. Yeah, I, that that's why I was like, I really want to send the teeth off because I, I it's not like we have a lot of history with this deer, but. This is the most unique whitetail I think I've ever seen. I don't think you're like anyone's gonna ever top that as far as uniqueness. I've n- not once in my life have I seen a picture of a a whitetail that's shaped like this. Yeah, where the rack is like upside down. I mean, you see deep splits like this often, but never where the G two like curves forward. Everything's with, like everything's going forward. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre, and that like I think this time was over fourteen inches. Oh yeah, it's because it's be. like imagine if it straightened out like it's. Yeah you know, crazy, crazy long. And you said 27 or 28 on the beams. Yeah. See that's, I would not have guessed that from a picture. No. Cause it, I would have, would have guessed shorter cause it's not like a regular main beam. Yeah. Dude, it's just, it's, it's probably, I mean, I, this is one of the best deer I'll, like I'll ever, I mean, he's, he's as, uh, to me on the level of Zeus, like just, as unique as a whitetail can possibly get. And he's like perfectly symmetrical on both sides. Like how, how gnarly he is. He literally matches like even with these little extras here, like yeah. he just matches perfectly. And even on the little eye guards on the front, like it's just, I mean, that's, to, I think part of that to me is like what fascinates me so much about whitetails is like, it's almost like a thumbprint. Like they're never the same. And I mean, you kind of like wonder that, like, I I was this is getting weird, but <clears throat> you know we're I, only six minutes in. Well, this usually gets this is my this is my outlet to be weird, <laughs> Gosh. and let thoughts out that have been stored in for a while. But like I think about all the time, I'm like, there's billions of people. How how to like how to how the hell is is there not like a another person that looks identical to me out there right now? There is. He played for Nickelback. <laughs> that's not no, no. <laughs> Dude, that no, picture no. We'll, we'll pop that picture up here shortly <laughs> i didn't know whether to be offended by that. i think i was offended by that <laughs> i mean it was, but I, it was spot on i think about that all the time I'm like there's billions of people it's like how different can human beings really look but it's you know same for whitetails it's like you know a deer's a deer but it's like each one and there's millions of them, but they, they, each one is so unique and they're never like the next one. There's, there's some that will be like, Oh, that kind of looks like that deer from all those years back. But there's never a deer that's like a identical version, mm-hmm. like to each other. It's just, it's super cool how unique they are. And like, even on, on the Kentucky deer, how he, you know, both of his beams just are like the, the sled runner, Old beams. sled runners, how they just kind of sweep up. And he's just like a perfect, perfect 10. And he's got that little, the weevil hole. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. cool. He does still stink. Yeah, he does. I want to, so when we film the video after this, kind of breaking down how you kill both these bucks, I want to go hold this rack up next to Zeus and lefty and just compare them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even know what we were saying. What were we saying? You were talking something about the drive being miserable. Oh yeah, so the drive, the drive was terrible, dude. Um, you, I mean, I feel like everyone's got two or three times in their life where they've been so sick where they're just like, just kill. Oh, you're me. saying the drive home? Oh yeah, 
the drive home was horrible. Uh, where it's just like you have you ever been that sick, that just dog sick, where you're just like, if my life ended now, I'm okay. Well, I'm, I'm I've never killed go. I've never killed a buck like that, so I've never gotten to that point. <laughs> like there was there was a a time we were on a I was on a fishing trip with a buddy of mine, and uh, it was like the last day we were fishing, and I was just uncontrollably vomiting and it was coming out the other end too it's just like i was like just i was so miserable that that was like one of the two or three times in my life where i was like i feel so sick if i could just i could just go in peace <laughs> and that's kind of what happened on that drive it was just like like being sick at home sucks now imagine being sick but still having to drive four hours off of no sleep and not only are you sick, but your co-pilot is also puking his brains out as well. And it was just like, I entered, I entered a, I don't know, like a, a, like what kind of mentality, like a dark, dark, I went to a dark place. I don't want to call it a warrior mentality, but I went to a dark place where I was just like, I felt like I was in another realm. I, that's not the right wording I was going for. I, I was like, you were in the upside down. I, I, so I was in a, on a different headspace somewhere. I mean, maybe you killed the Demogorgon. And, and he transformed sit, into me. And it, yeah, he entered your soul and took you down into the upside down. <laughs> I, I was just like, I am not. We were stopping this vehicle every 20 minutes to either doo-doo or throw up. And I was like, we'd done it like three or four times. And Hunter's sitting there like literally just like rocking in misery, wanting to puke. And I'm sitting there just like wanting to do the same. And I told Hunter, I was like, we're not stopping. We're getting the hell home. And we just like bulldogged at home. And there was like so many times we wanted to stop and either do to or throw up. And it was just like the most miserable four hour drive. You know what could have made it worse? What? If you were in the Honda element with no, no AC. That would have been bad. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been bad. Pro- which probably smells like rotten buck by, by it, it does from Nashville. It, it's kind of funny. So, um, I told you Bobby came over for breakfast this morning. I was like, let's take the Honda Element. When it's cooler temperatures, you can't smell a thing. When it starts to heat up and cooks in there, it really brings out all that that just soaked in stench. And there's definitely still like dead deer stench in that thing. I hadn't sprayed it out since I had those deer in it. So you think Waffle House betrayed you, huh? I don't know. If there's any doctors out there I would uh that are listening, like I would love a diagnosis because I you know I hate to think that about Waffle House. I don't feel like Waffle House would do me that dirty after how loyal we've been. But uh, we both ate Waffle House, and it was like four hours later, we both just, I mean, came unglued. Just the, 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 uh, I don't even know what metaphor I'm digging for right now. It just, the floodgates opened both ends. And, uh, it lingered for so long. I mean, it's been three or four days, and uh, I, I don't know if it was food poisoning or if it was just happened to be to some sort of flu or maybe a salmonella. I don't know. It was something, but uh, fevers, headaches, vomiting, doo-dooing. Uh, See how many times you can say that word? Doo-dooing and vomiting, vomiting and doo-dooing. <laughs> and, All right. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on from this. I, so I remember where what we were saying was we were talking about deadlifting and your body and um, like I was gone for a month. I met up with you guys in uh, in Kentucky and 
I think when we just got done with that trip, like my body was just spent just from how ragged we've been running ourselves, traveling, driving. And, uh, I mean, I, I was kind of trying to calculate it in my head, like how many days I've actually spent home in the last like three months. And it's not been many, mm-hmm. we've just been gunning and, uh, it's, it'll wear you out. I feel like I've been home way too much the last month. Ever since I got home from uh, New Mexico, which is back at like September 25th, I've been home a, a lot besides that one trip. Well, one or two trips. I think just one trip up to Ohio, Kentucky area. And I'm just not like, I just, I'm not getting bucks on camera. I have, I have some in the 140, maybe 150 range, but like everything that we set out to find, pictures that we got, you know, rumors that we've heard, just deer that have been killed in these areas. Like we branched out to these different cities to go find a buck like that. No, I mean, knowing going into it that finding one like that and killing it is extremely difficult and unlikely. But I know I'm on I know I'm in areas of bucks that are close to the caliber of those two. Yeah. And it's just hadn't panned out. Like I I, I think that that goes to show like we're kind of hitting on polar opposite ends of, of how the chips fall sometimes when you do the door knocking game is that like sometimes you have those seasons where just like the stars align and everything falls into place. And then sometimes you're having a season where it's like, you've done all the work you've put on all the time effort and it just, it just doesn't go your way. And like, you know, You've, you've, how many doors have you knocked? You've been keeping an actual tab. Yeah. Uh, 425. And it's like to not have a, a deer over 150. Yeah. I mean, I've got like, I've, I've got an, I've got one buck in Ohio that's probably 160s, but he's a three year old. Oh, so really? I'm letting him walk. Yeah. Like could be a giant next year. Yeah. I had an, I had another buck in Ohio this summer that was for sure going to be over 160. But I lost the spot and he disappeared. So I don't know what happened with him. And it's just like one thing after another. Like you land a good spot, a week later you get a phone call or a text saying, hey, my wife is not cool with it. Sorry. Yeah. It's like, well, great. I just like spent so much time trying to get in touch with you, putting cameras out, like all this stuff. And then stuff falls through. Well, it's like you could look at the season I'm having and, and be like, oh, well, that's easy. You know, he's making it look easy. But like on the flip side, it's like, you could be doing all this and just like, you know, it's, it just happens like lose permission, just, you know, buckets hit by car or just not, not getting in the right areas or, or whatever the reason is, or, you know, losing permission, the wife, this kind of thing. Like, you know, you could like, if, if people were just to follow your journey this season, they'd be like, Holy crap, that's tough. Like Mm -hmm. that's brutal. And so it just like, you know, we're kind of on, on, we're having very different seasons, but I, I think it's good to show like it's not always, you know, like this and take a look at someone who does the exact same thing when we do this together. It's like, you know, it, it just, it doesn't always happen like it's happening and it's not like it's an easy thing. This is, this is a banner year for me personally. Yeah. And on the contrary, this has probably been one of the toughest years you've had. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think part of a, a small part of it, I wouldn't say luck, but just how the cards fall, 
but there's also definitely different strategies at play. Like you have a different strategy as far as how you pursue certain areas or you, you follow leads. Um, and you're also a lot better at getting permission than me. Like you're a better salesman than me. There's, I'm sure a lot of the spots or not a lot, but like a certain percentage of the spots that I've been to, there's probably good gear on them and you probably would have gotten permission where I didn't. And I, I mean, we've seen that in years past, like where you've kind of come in behind me and gotten like after, obviously I'm not, not, I'm not saying like coming behind my back or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I try my best in the area. I get no's and then you come in and like get the spot. It's like, damn. (laughs) I mean, if you don't get the yes, you're out of the game. Yeah. And that's the first step. And it just takes one. Yes. Like I was talking to, to Matt Keller today. He's been busting it pretty hard and like struggling. And then he got the one spot and there, he said, there's like three solid bucks in there. There's one that is really nice. And it's like, dude, you can knock on 500 doors and get 499 no's, but you get, you get the that right one. yes, and it's like, You get that it. one. And honestly, for these two deer, it was that one. It just happened, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like the Ohio buck. Uh, I I was at my last possible option to hunt that deer. There was not many options, like not many places where you could hunt that deer because most of that area is, is unhuntable. Well, you were you weren't even looking for that buck, right? No, no. Like you didn't know that buck existed. No, you I, had, I knew it was were, a good area. Yeah, and that's that 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 buck showed up two weeks before I killed him out of the blue. And you were chasing, I guess, back in February, you were chasing a rumor of some giant buck, right? Was that 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 area? Yeah, I was chasing a rumor of a deer, which put was what put me in the area. And then I actually laid eyes on a really big deer late season after the, the season had ended. Was that the one that you filmed? Yeah. Across the field? Yeah. And uh, that's... And you hadn't seen him again? No, I have not seen that deer. I don't know where he is, but he's if he's still alive, he's huge. Yeah. And uh, that that's what kind of made me hone in that area was just like, okay, clearly this, this area is worth having a place in. Mm-hmm. And that spot in particular, like until we were able to actually get permission and la- and sign seal delivered done permission mm, three days before we killed that deer. I had, I didn't have a spot over there. I had four or five different like maybes and I was constantly like, it's freaking 10 hours or whatever it is to get, get up to where we're at. And it's like, you know, it's not easy to drive 10 hours just to follow up with someone and be like, Hey, remember that conversation we had a few weeks ago or a month ago? Like, you know, have you put thought back into it or this, that, and the other? It's like, you know, I had, I had four or five maybes in that little area and all of them were falling through. I did have one place I could run a camera, had permission to run a camera just to sort of like, you know, keep eyes on there and just to be sure like, Hey, they're, you know, giant showed up. Like this is definitely an area to keep pounding, keep trying to get turned these four or five maybes. And all those maybes turned to, nose and I had this one option left and it was it was a two probably two month process to get permission I I I stopped by the guy's house every time I'd been over there since you know this past January nine months ago could never catch him at home finally in late August caught him at home had a good conversation and um there was not you know, any big deer over there. I just, I knew they were around and I was hoping something would show up. Well, 
I go back to follow up with this guy, and it's been like a month, month and a half since our last conversation. He's like, yeah, I've thought about it. And he's like, I'm all about it. I want you to talk to my girlfriend. Well, then it was like a week and a half ordeal to try and cross paths with the girlfriend. Like, this guy's a doctor, and he's he's constantly on a call, so he's was never home predictably, and his girlfriend wasn't ever really home. So it was just like a a crazy process to actually track down and get permission. But it's like, that was the last option to get permission, period. And if for some reason the girlfriend wasn't okay with it, or he was just like, you know what, I thought about it, I'm not so sure, this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. That story doesn't happen. And, and it, it was like literally... And just so close to not happening. And then you're up there for like three days. The deer's showing up. The deer's like on the property next door, basically. And you're trying to get sign permission before you hunt. Yeah, and can't get. And it. you're literally just sitting in the city doing nothing besides trying to get <laughs> get we, in touch we, with we this guy. We played putt putt. Uh, <laughs> we did some workouts. We hit. We went to the batting cages. For real? I'm dead serious. <laughs> we filmed it too. Your boy still got a swing, by the way. <laughs> So, uh, That's hilarious. yeah, I mean, we were like, we don't know what to do with ourselves. Like we don't have any other deer on camera and kind of back to your point of like, sometimes it's just tough is like, that was the only buck I had on like shooter I had on camera up there. And we've spent five, six trips. And I think I've spent a, a, like, if you accumulated all the time I've spent in that area, it's probably been a month total mm-hmm. of just door knocking. And that was the only the one shooter I had on camera. So it wasn't like, you know, we were loaded up in areas and we had other options to go hunt. It was, he was it. Well, I mean, when you have a buck like that showing up there, there really is no other option. I don't care if there's a 170 inch typical like that one next yeah. door. Like <laughs> you got to yeah. hold out for something like that. Yeah, for sure. But no, that those trips where you're just knocking on doors for three, four days straight. Grueling. It's terrible. It's grueling. It's not fun. <laughs> like it's not fun. I, I don't know about you, but I go through like streaks, and I don't know if it has something to do with like vibes that I'm putting off, or like the mood I'm in, or just to, like a little tweak in the pitch vibes. or something. Like it, when I get frustrated, that's when I definitely get nose. Yeah. And I think people can read that, and you go like two days without getting any permission, or like you're just driving around. I mean, you're burning a tank of gas a day. Yeah. And just it's miserable. It worries you out. You need to get in that Honda Element gang. Say, <laughs> I put I put five gallons of gas in it this morning, and it's over half a tank. <laughs> I think it's a ten gallon tank, and that thing will zip around all day. But um, it's impressive. Yeah. Um. So what's funny is like the first morning that we hunted that deer. Th- this area is sensitive. Like. I've talked to a lot of the neighbors. Some of them are like adamantly opposed to hunting. Some of them just, you know, were mixed emotions. Um, What was the, before you go into this next part of the story, what was kind of the last tipping point for the landowner to get them to say yes? um, Without giving away like too much of the secret sauce. The girlfriend, he he was, he wanted deer meat. He was like, he was big, uh, like organic food kind of guy. And I think he had had, um, venison in the past, like at a friend's or something. So he was like, he, but he's not a hunter. And so he was like really wanting venison. And so it was kind of the perfect like incentive is that, you know, I can offer that, like you can't go buy venison. Mm-hmm. So the exchange was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to give you some deer meat if you let me hunt here. And so that, that was the deal. And, and he wanted me to talk to his girlfriend. His girlfriend was concerned about her dogs. 
And uh, after talking with her, she was super cool. And uh, that's such a ridiculous concern. Yeah, I mean, I understandable mean, if you don't know anything about bow hunting. Yeah, but it's also kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, like I'm not. I'm I'm literally chasing a specific buck. I know what his rack looks like. I'm yeah. not going to accidentally shoot your poodle. Right. <laughs> it's like even if you know if that deer breaks off a couple times, like probably going to not shoot him. It's like we're literally analyzing you know, exactly what it is that we're shooting at. And yeah, I mean, it's like, but to, like to what you said, like they just don't know. And there's also those stories where like Turkey Hunter gets shot holding up a paper fan decoy thing. And those so. are the stories that get passed <laughs> yeah. around the news. Yeah. And that's the stuff they hear about hunting. They don't, you know, so they, they I, I get it. Um, but after talking with them and like, I think painting a clear picture of hunting and sort of your process and how safe it is, is super critical to like making someone feel comfortable that, you know, I was like, I- I'm not even by your house. I'm way down in the woods. I'm facing the other way. The shots taking place from an elevated position, going to the ground. It's with archer equipment. I'm well-practiced, been doing this for 16 years. And it's like, there's no chances for deflection. And it's just like, once you sort of articulate that, they get a better understanding of it. They're, they're way more, clear and comfortable with like, okay, you know, he's not going to shoot my dog kind of yeah. deal. But yeah, I think I need to, I might need to, need to revisit the master class a little bit and brush up <laughs> on my, my pitch. I think I might be getting a little lazy on it yeah. or something. We've, we unpacked everything in that, in that sucker. I just, I don't know. I think I, I think sometimes I get lazy or like rely on trying to read the person too quickly and try to get to the ask too quick before I like unpack the whole pitch. It's a long and, and, time for me before I actually ask. Yeah. Like I feel, I think I feel pressure from the person I'm talking to of like, get off my front doorstep. Like what, what, why are you here? Yeah. I like just try to get to the, the ask too fast. Yeah. But there's so much that goes into it before that, that like you, you have to, you have to inform them before you ask something that they're uncomfortable with. Yeah. But if I don't, I don't want to get too deep into that. We have a master class for that. You give your entire pitch word for word, um, break down all this stuff way more, way more detail. So if, uh, we can put a link below in the description for the masterclass. If you it's, guys are it's interested. so, yeah, I mean, it's so much information. It's, a, we'd, we'd be here for five. Well, I don't know how many hours of podcasting we did specifically. I think it was eight. Thing. We sat on this couch for eight hours. Yeah. I mean, it's just so much information, but it, it's, it's, it's such a finicky thing and it has to be handled the right way. Um, and if it's not, I mean, if you, like you said, like we said earlier, if you don't get that, yes, you're not in the game. Even if you know where this buck is at and he's showing up on, if you have permission to run a camera, but not to hunt and he's showing up every day, like there's nothing you can do about it if you mm. don't get that. Yes. And so, you know, sometimes I feel like it's by the skin of our, or the hair of our teeth, skin of our teeth, skin of our teeth, skin of our teeth that we actually get the yes. But, um, cause it's just such a, it's such a touch and go thing. And, and kind of to what I was saying, like the first morning, and, and there's so many outside elements too, besides that particular homeowner as well. Like girlfriend and the homeowner, totally on board, signed permission. Everything's good. The first morning we hunt the neighbor who I had spoken to before, who was not that cool with it. And I was in the Honda element when I knocked on their door and I was in the, the Chevy this time. Ooh. So I don't, I don't think that they, totally connected the dots on like that i was the same guy no they they figured you out knew you're a phony 
I don't know. Actually, in that neighborhood, I I got called out in the element. <laughs> Some guy, he was drinking a beer, and I guess he just felt like he was being super tough. He's probably a hunter. I think, yeah. I mean, he knew about, yeah. I think he was. <laughs> and he just, like, spotted us, and he was just, like, walked up to our, the hunt, and was just like. You got a tampon for that thing? He's like. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what are y'all doing here? I was like, and I, like an idiot, I told him the truth. <laughs> oh, we're doing, you know, some looking to get some deer hunting permission, and I don't know why I told him the truth. That was a terrible idea, but he just like, <laughs> li- like just wouldn't let us go on a, a, on our business. He followed us around the neighborhood. You should have said you're campaigning, campaigning for, uh, I don't know who for the our Democratic candidates are in our ho- very Ohio, bright president. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to get political, but that guy's an idiot. Um, anyways, uh, so <laughs> I, I, we pull in that morning. I'd already spoken to this neighbor. I guess he had just gotten up and does a workout in his basement in the mornings. So I just see this light flick on in the neighbor. And I can, you know, we're getting out of the car. We're putting on our saddles. We're putting on, grabbing our bow and stuff. And uh, this guy, like, flicks on his light in the basement. I see him down, like, at, standing at his stairs. And he's just, like, staring at us out of the basement. And I was like, oh, gosh. He's he's just, like, staring at her watching us. This is the same guy that... No, your car. no oh, different, different guy. guy. Um, and I like hid my bow. Hunter was like standing under uh, one of their lights with a camera in his hand. I was like, dude, Hunter, <laughs> like, hide, dude, hide. It's like, you know. But don't make it look like you're trying to hide. Yeah. I was like, just stand behind the truck. Like, don't stand under a creepy light. And so I just like kind of continued to un- unpack the car. Um, I kind of, I kind of just, I don't know. I tried to. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't even know what I tried to do, but I just tried to not make it look like I was hunting. And uh, I kind of just like stood around the backside of the truck and like let the lights go off and uh, grabbed everything from like the opposite side of the truck where he couldn't see me. And then we kind of dipped down in the woods and, and took off. And, you know, one, the wrong neighbor finds out about it, like one and it's a, and it's done. You know, I'm like, that's what I was worried about is like that neighbor just freaking out being like, oh my gosh, they're hunting next door. Like, we, no way, this is not happening. And then they go on the next door neighbor app and blow up the whole neighborhood and then it just becomes this huge ordeal. Like, I was stressed hunting that deer because I was just like, I feel like something like that can happen any, at any second. And uh, luckily that guy, you know, didn't even really care. Um, and it ended up working out because, you know, you just get so many mixed opinions when you're door knocking that it's just like, I want to spend as little time in that vulnerable space of like, I might lose permission. I'm trying to hunt this deer. I might lose permission. And if I lose this spot, it's not like I got another spot. I can keep hunting the deer. It's all, it's live or die at this place. And, uh, so I was just like extremely stressed out because I, you didn't want to stir up the Karen's nest. No. And I, you know, I knew this deer was big and crazy cool and unique and I was like, you know, I was stressed out. Like, I don't want to lose permission. I don't want something to go wrong. And that's just an added dynamic that that makes the whole door knocking thing um, just more stressful or just kind of an added dynamic that's that's not favorable. Like, I'd rather have that element removed. It's kind of nice to, like, have a spot and not have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But well, Yeah, I think just urban hunting in general – hunting on small property is like the stress of, yeah, the permission part and just like trying to fly under the radar and knowing at any minute 
you know, your your truck or your face could be posted all over next door saying this guy's going to shoot our kids or whatever. Yeah. That plus like knowing that that deer is probably going to walk past eight other hunters or eight other trail cameras. There was another dude the hunting. The next day. Yeah. There was another dude hunting <clears throat> four or 500 yards from me. I'm sure he was after that deer. Yeah. Because uh, I, door, I door knocked on, on his and he was like, he was like, somebody hunts here already. I was like, oh, you know that's cool or whatever. And he's like, I'm the one who hunts here. And I was like, Oh, you know, you have, you have much luck. He's like, I get one every year. (laughs) So, I mean, it was a sweet spot, but you know, that was the only buck in there. And, uh, you know, there was does and stuff. I'm sure there's just bucks that kind of, it's just a, a pooling area. And he, he ran the roost there for sure. I mean, uh, so. So how close was that spot to where you filmed that? buck last february or whenever that was two miles oh, okay but that buck i mean i had him on two spots and i only had him at like midnight on the other spot one time and it was a mile and a half away so he's traveling a lot yeah i mean he's running that creek or yeah. river or whatever that yeah, is. And he was traveling um but i think i think the area i was at where was his home base to spend the rut and i, I actually this is kind of interesting i was staying with my buddy kyle cheney up there and he and I were talking about it. I think these old deer, like especially these old deer, know like individual does yeah. and where they spend their time. And I think they know, oh, old Susie, she comes into heat first. I'm going to hang around old Susie until she comes into heat. And then Jennifer down the road, <laughs> she's next. I'm going to come check her. And I think old Susie, the, I, I think the does that were coming into heat first or there was a particular or a couple does in particular that he knew came into heat first in that area. And I think that's why he was spending so much time there in that little time frame. And, uh, when he came in, I mean, he was on a doe, following a doe. She was hot. She was squatting and peeing. Like running or just kind of walking in? Trotting. Well, walk, walk. And a couple of times he'd trot and grunt at her. Yeah. Uh, but he was bumping them and stuff. And he was just like, just waiting and waiting on them to come into heat. And, you know, that was October 26th, something like that. If I remember right, and uh, like that's early. Yeah, I mean it's prime time for that like first little bit of rut though. Yeah, like you, that was right after that first cold front came through, right? Mm-hmm. And then, well, no, it was uh, it was starting to warm back up a little bit, but yeah, that that cold front had come through like when you killed the Kentucky mm-hmm. buck. Yep. And then it's been hot ever since, and Same. the movement has been terrible. Yeah. On my cameras, at least. Same thing on that Kentucky deer. He he came in falling a doe. Oh really? And yeah, the night before there was chasing these these two younger bucks were chasing like crazy, all these just bah, and just chasing all these deer around. These does are just getting scattered, and at the, right at last light, this doe come walking in by herself, and he was right behind her. So I think these older deer, like I haven't really thought about that until recent. Like I just think they know, just like people know certain people. Like oh, Jennifer loves to hang out at this bar. This is usually the time she comes around. Yeah. This is the drink she likes. And, That's what uh, kind of makes me nervous about using certain scents and calling. Not yeah. so not so much rattling, but like particularly elk calling. I think I think bull elk know the sound of the other like all the other elk's bugles. And I mean some maybe sometimes that they can they recognize that it's not one they've heard before, so they come check it out because they think it's a new bull coming in. Mm-hmm to wreck their party. But I think if you're not 
if you're not calling at the perfect, perfectly right time a year, then it can also like I think it can alert them that something's not right or yeah. that it, that it's a hunter. Yeah. And I feel like I mean I think scent maybe may do that. I don't know, maybe not. I don't know. Might be overthinking it, but I would I would bet that they have a pretty good idea of like what each doe and buck smells like and what they sound like. I think so. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I was I was hunting in Michigan, and Andy May, who we're buddies with, he he has a lot of experience hunting Michigan. Uh, we have no experience hunting Michigan at all, except for the few days I hunted there earlier this year, or on this trip. And, uh, you know, I, I have a buck in a marsh that I was hunting. I went in there and was rat, like rattling. I was like, I'm going to call him out of the marsh. Went in there rattling. I called Andy after. I was like, hey, I, you know, I did some rattling. He's like, oh, don't do that. I was like, <laughs> really? He's like, yeah, don't do that. I was like, oh, oops. <laughs> I guess I should have asked you beforehand. And I just, he was just like, yeah. He's like, I've never really had, he's like, whatever. His ex- personal experiences with Michigan deer, he's like, I never have ever had success rattling. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I think all these deer have different behaviors. And if you're sort of being like outlandish or just not really matching what is normal to them, I think they pick up on it pretty quick. Yeah. So, um, speaking of Michigan, did did I tell you about the full story of being followed and then invited to dinner? I think, I think the story, every day you spend knocking on doors in the suburbs, more developments happen. I hadn't even told you, Karen's nest. I hadn't even told you the full story about when, um, like it went all the way up to the white house. Like I, there was a phone call I got from like the, the thing back here in Atlanta. Yeah. (laughs) No, you still haven't told me that story. We've been, we were holding on that for a podcast (laughs) and I'd given you like cliff notes, but I haven't really told you the full one, but I almost feel like we need to do a podcast where we just tell like, you know, the outlandish stories or just like, you know, running. With so you're going to tell me that story or, or if you want to hear it? Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah. I kind of want to hear Which it. Which one do you want to hear first? The, the, uh, the Atlanta one. What, what was the, so I forget what the place was called. Like a consulate. He was a consulate member. Yeah. I think I actually wrote down some notes cause I wanted to remember what, what they were telling me uh, like about this dude and about uh, like this call went all the way up to the white house. They were like, this has reached our highest level of security. <laughs> like we have a, a consulate member uh, that has had a breach of security. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Let me see if I can find this. When, when was that? Was that July? Yeah, probably. Let me see. Um, July 6th, July 26th. I remember the, the gist of it. I mean, I can, I can sort of effectively tell you the story without the, give me the cliff notes version. I mean, I know everything. I know the first part of the story. About yeah, how he, so how he said, "Yeah, go ahead and put a camera out," and then tried to act. He kind of like acted like he didn't, never said that or something. Yeah, so I, I, I got, I, I got, I talked to this guy, and I, I knock on his door, and I'm like, "It's it's a totally normal conversation. It went about as good as you want it to go." It's like, hey, you know, first thing I did is put a cat, put out a camera, and just get an idea of like, you know, what deer are running around. Sure, man, that sounds great. Go back there, and he texted me while I was back there, but I didn't see it because you know I'm carrying a 
cameras and I'm looking at where to put it and all this stuff. And I didn't like see it until after the fact. Well, he's, he meets me as I'm walking out. I, I put the camera out, I'm walking out and I, and I threw like a half bag of corn out and, uh, he meets me and he's like, uh, he's like, I, I need some more documentation, um, before you hunt or anything. I was like, no problem. I was like, you know, when I come grab the camera, why don't I bring you some, some more information about what we do and the laws and all that stuff. He's like, yeah, that sounds good. So I leave and I get a text about an hour later and it was clearly like a forwarded text message from like his attorney or something or other. He was saying crazy stuff, like crazy stuff. And I was sending him to a, a, a buddy of ours. Who's Is a this police guy officer. foreign? He's or, foreign. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so he, uh, uh, this police officer friend of mine, we, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. We're, we're buddies with him. I sent him these texts and he's like, Oh, the guy's schizophrenic. He's crazy. He's like, what, what is he even saying? He was saying like, uh, this is a breach of, um, this, yeah, I, I don't international something or other, like man of mystery kind of talk or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, what is this dude talking about? And so I had this police officer come with me the next day. I was like, I, I told this guy, I was like, look, I don't, you know, no big deal. I'll come grab the camera. I had permission on a property backing up to it anyways. So go there the next day with the cop. We grab this camera and he goes sniffing around and, and walks onto the other adjacent property that I had permission and a camera at. And I get a picture of him wandering around back there, which he's not supposed to be on that property. I mean, he's trespassing on that property. So then he takes a picture of my camera. He sends it to, uh, he's, he's a consulate. He's this senior most ranking consulate member for this country in the United States. Like he's top of the top representing this country. In America. He sounds pretty socially inept. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Like he couldn't even read the situation. Yes, thank you. To where he had to, he escalated it and freaked out. It's like, dude. What I, what I think <laughs> happened was he didn't think it was that big a deal. He sent it over to his attorneys or legal advising team or whatever. And they were like this, the legal advising team or whoever was like, he this man wants to put a, a camera on your property. And they're like, you don't know who this guy is. He just knocked on your door. And so then I think the guy was kind of backpedaling and be like, oh, this isn't a good idea. I think he said his name was James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, I think he kind of panicked for a second and was like, I, I shouldn't have said yes. When, and so he started backpedaling. And, um, so anyways, I get a call from someone who own the property or something but like i think i think technically this country owned the property this certain country owned the property or something like that and they were like you know they were just in charge of the property in the house and they were like i explained the whole situation and they were like and there's there's feed out there's corn it's like we've had rat problems in the past now there's probably gonna be significant damages to the house that you've drawn in more rodents i was like <laughs> lady that half bag of corn is already gone i was like the deer ate it up overnight it's gone and I was like, I was like, that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, so it it just went to a weird place. Anyway, so like a few weeks later, I get a call, and it's a Washington D.C. number, and I answer it, and he's like, "Hey, my name is such and such," and he's like, "I'm the head of the uh, national security like advisory team or whatever for uh, our consulate members in the United States," and he said, "I got a call on this situation," and he said you know, this has reached literally, he said, this has reached the top. 
And I'm like, <laughs> the top. They must have done a lot of research on you. <laughs> so he said, that's all he said. He said, this has reached the top. And he said, imagine if uh, a consulate member was at risk, like an American consulate member was at risk in a foreign country. He said, it's a huge deal. And he was like, this is that same level. He's like, it is our utmost importance that our uh, security and safety of our consulate members that are here in our country are, you know, protected and safe. And he's like, this has reached the top. This is, this is a really big deal. So I guarantee you they researched it. They know everything about me. They probably know stuff about me. I don't even know. But he was like, and I explained it. I was like, dude, I've been doing this for, you know, all these years. It's like, so I, do you think that he thought the whole hunting thing was like cover up for you to spy on the I think house? that's what people started to think. Yeah. <laughs> like I think our, our conversation with this guy, he was super cool, normal, great conversation. And then I think like when you kind of took a step back and look at it, they're like, this guy might be a spy. I mean, he might be an assassin. He might be onto us. And Se- he's sequins just a front where highly <laughs> secret trained assassins, foreign assassins. <laughs> and Oh, and yeah, like I'm, I would, technically be hunting their property so i would be on his property with a deadly weapon so like i i literally think that's what they're thinking was like this guy could be an assassin that's how they treated it anyways and uh <laughs> so they were like look man don't go back there like you know he i forgot how he worded it but he was basically just kind of saying like we have tabs on you or whatever like we were aware of you and or tab i forgot exactly what he said but he made it sound like they hacked your phone. I don't know, maybe, probably. Can Bill tell us if if they hacked your phone? Probably. Your phone yeah, probably. I'm sure he can. I mean, I, they're I probably listening to this podcast I right now. I guarantee you they are. It's probably going to get taken down. <laughs> <clears throat> but that was like basically, I breached you know another country's uh, perimeter of security in America. So if technically that other country owns that property. What? I was hunting out of state. Yeah, you're hunting out of state. Illegal. I mean, you have to. <laughs> you were poaching too. I'm calling the game warden right after this. They finally got what they wanted. Yeah, that was a, that was an extreme deal. And honestly, I was kind of milking it. That's like. Do you have to get clearance to land the helicopter on the foreign territory? I don't know, man. There was a lot of a red tape or a yellow tape on that one. <laughs> but that was a. Uh, that was as weird as as I feel like I've had. Uh, I think you should have milked it and just been like, "I am I, an assassin." I really think I need I need to talk to y'all in person. Y'all <laughs> should send your whole team down here. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just to make it a better story. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, it's not too late. I mean, I could hey, probably call that guy back. Any publicity is good publicity. Just like make it this international news story. Uh, that would be so funny. Yeah, I mean, I I felt like I did milk it a little bit. Um, like I did kind of be like, I kind of fired back. I was like, well, I got pictures of your boy trespassing. (laughs) (laughs) I got all I need. That one, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that, but, uh, I was poking the bear a little bit and sort of milking the story. It's like, y'all need to set up a little bit stiffer perimeter. I breached it easily. Yeah. I still have the picture of this guy. You know, trespassing on a, on a anyways. Hey, you could uh, you could be a national hero one day if we ever get into a scuffle with that country. We got we, we got we, you. We could bring their head consulate down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the Michigan deal. Um, 
that one's become interesting as well. Uh, you're aware of the guy that that was trying to get me kicked off of the the property I had. So that, there's two different two different dudes. One, yeah, there's two two different dudes now. One that was trying to like swoozle you a little bit and act like not a little bit, a lot. Well, he th- he thought that he was being sneaky. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's a guy that was not being sneaky at all. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm cool with that guy now. Um, I won't use any names. Um, You're cool with the second guy? I'm cool with the second guy. Yeah. I have dinner with his whole family, his kids, everything. I let <laughs> his youngest son like play video games on my phone. We said, I mean, that is, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super cool with them. I, they're good people. Um, but how we became friends is is interesting. Uh, the first guy is. A not, grade not cool A, with. yeah, just dirtbag. Yeah, um, that frustrates me so much. I mean, I'll let you tell the story, but like, it frustra- frustrates me when people act like that. But especially when they're when they're in the hunting industry, and it's like, dude, why would you ever do something, especially to another guy that like knows a lot of people in the industry? Why would you act in a certain way that could reflect poorly on you? Like that's gonna get out. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's like. I don't know, man. <clears throat> so I just think some people are, are just like, they don't think about the consequences. I think, I think when big deer get involved, people just lose their mind and yeah. clarity. Sometimes this guy lost his freaking mind because even the, the person that gave me permission, he was calling them five or six times a day. Hey, have you kicked him off yet? Hey, have you kicked him off yet? And like, meanwhile, he's telling me like, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll do anything I can to help you and, you know, this, that, and the other and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he's just very, very two faced. And, you know, so I got this call. Well, first off, I think I've driven in Michigan four times. It's a long ass trip. And they, it was just a door knock and, you know, put cameras out and you cannot, doesn't matter what time of year it is in the season, out of the season, doesn't matter if you're hunting or just wanting to watch deer. You can't put feed out, salt out, any sort of bait, nothing. Period. And I And that's for CWD yeah, reasons. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, running cameras is tough up there. You know, you put them on trails and uh I was putting in scrapes. But uh, you know, I I spent all this time, all these trips. And uh, this particular spot I got, I mean, I had to visit with him like three times. And that's a, it's not like driving down the street to go talk to somebody. And this is over, you know, a six month span. So um, the the people that gave me permission are awesome people, like as stand up as it gets. And they still are, want me to hunt there. But I, um, I got this spot and there's this, you know, semi known buck in that area, like people that live in that area see this deer. And he's 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 big. I mean he's probably a hundred and eighty inch deer. So you know, this particular area, like it's just not known that you can bow hunt there. Um so you know I that part of what we do is we do so much research of finding out where you can hunt, where you can't. Uh found this area where you can hunt. And so that's why I was getting permission up there, found this deer, had him on camera, and I get a call from this dude. Like, the, the people that gave me permission were like, they have this hunting friend that lives in this area. Like, oh, man. Like, they thought it was just a cool thing. 
they were like, our hunting buddy's going to love this. You know, there's this guy and he's going to hunt here and he's like, you know, this, that, and the other. And so, um, this guy gets my phone number from the people that gave me permission. Gives me a call out of the blue one day. Immediately could tell that he was just like being a weasel, just like trying to, you know, steer me away from hunting in that area. Like, oh, you should go to this area. I'll help you over here. You should hunt that deer, this deer, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, me and my son have been watching this deer for three years. And, and this was the year that we were going to hunt him. And, uh, you know, it means a lot to us. And he never, ever, ever told me he was going to hunt at the spot I got permission at. He just was like, you know, that we were, that this was the year that we were going to hunt him. And I was like, I don't care, man. I mean, you know, the deer's a deer. Like he's going to go wherever he wants. I thought he was going to hunt at his own place is what mm. I thought with his son. And I was like, that's cool, man. Like, you know, good luck. You know, I was like, he's not really my main focus, but, you know, if I end up hunting the deer, like, you know, I'd be more than happy to keep the guy in touch or stay in touch with the dude and be like, hey, you know, I I had luck on that deer. If he killed a deer, it'd be cool to see a picture of it. So, like, that was where my head was at. I was just like, and how many times has that happened where someone has a spot and we've got a spot and it's like we're sharing info or just mm-hmm. become buddies and that's what I thought it was, but... um. And he was also like, oh, man, we've been a fan of y'all's show for for a long, for years. Like, we love y'all's show. And this guy's in the hunting industry, like deeply in the hunting industry. His business is, his main business that he's an owner of is a big name in this hunting industry. And so I, I, get, a, uh, I get pictures like sent to me a few weeks later. And he also was like, let me, let me go to your spots and like, I'll put out some feed or uh, salt lick. Like we'll get pictures of some bucks for you. I was like, I, and I said this in a text message on purpose. Cause I was like, I want this documented. I was like, please leave. I was like, you cannot feed in the state of Michigan. Please leave my stuff alone. I have to do everything by the book. Thank you. You know, have a good day or whatever. And so then like a few weeks later, he sends me these trail cam pictures of this buck. And I was like, he, he said like, oh, he should be on your camera any second. I'm like what? And then he sends me this picture. I'm like, where were those taken? He was like at such and such's, which is the person that gave me hunting permission. I was like, you have a camera there? And he was basically, he went and put a camera 10 feet from mine, put out a bunch of feed, put about, put out a bunch of minerals, which is illegal. Jeez. And uh, I'm like, I got, I got pissed because I was like, it's illegal and unethical. Yeah. I mean, especially with it's in, in an area where there's CWD. Yeah. And it just like, dude, I got pissed. And so I called, I called the person that gave me permission and they were like, before I even said anything, they weren't aware like, you know, that, that any of this recent drama had gone on with this guy. I just, I just called this homeowner out of the blue. They had no idea I was going to call. Like, And the first thing she said was, well, has this guy been annoying you like he's been annoying us he's like i'm and she was like i'm over this drama i was like what are you talking about and she's like well he's calling us like five times a day asking us if we've kicked you off the property yet i was like what and she was like yeah she's like you know i mentioned it to him because i thought it was cool and he didn't know who y'all were he didn't know that it was legal to hunt here so he went home he researched who you were and then he researched and found out that it was legal to hunt here and so he's been begging me and he's basically been calling me every day to check and see if you, if, if I have kicked you off the property yet. And 
talk about being two faced. Mm-hmm. He was telling me, "Oh, we've been fans for years. Me and my son have been hunting this buck for three years." And this was the year we've been waiting to hunt him. He had no, he didn't even know that it was legal to hunt at all. No clue about it. And then he just it's fabricating and just fluffing me up with all this BS. And uh, so the the lady that um, gave me permission was like, "I'm shutting this BS. I'm shutting it down." She's like, "You can still hunt here, but I am shutting him down. His his stuff has got to go. Like he's thrown out feed. I don't want that happening on my property." And at that time, I was like, I have no intention of hunting there anymore. I don't want to be around this drama. I've got another spot I can hunt over there. I was like, I don't want to deal with this BS. You know how dramatic big deer are in general. But it's like Mm -hmm. this situation I just wanted to avoid completely. So I go up there on this trip three weeks ago or four weeks ago. Hunter and I are like, you know, we just hung some sets or no, sorry, Mitchell and I were up there. We had just hung some sets. We were driving around the neighborhood, and it's funny. We had this conversation recorded. I actually want to listen to it again. I hadn't listened to it since. We just hung a set, and I was like, man, you know, let's let's go see if we can just see if, see if we get lucky and see this deer somewhere. So we're just driving roads, like looking, looking, looking. I pull through this neighborhood. It's like a heavily wooded neighborhood. And I start noticing this car's following us. Every single turn, it's following us, following us, following us. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to make one last right turn. And if they follow us, then I'm going to stop. Take this last right turn, following us. And so I stop, and they pull up, and I'm just like, can I help you? And this woman, and I, and let me, again, let me start off by saying, I really like these people. Genuinely, I do. You recorded this, like, oh, as yeah. soon as they pulled up? Dude, yeah. And I told, I, you know, I told them this after the fact, I'm like, we record everything to protect ourselves. You know, it's like if that situation would have blown up and, you know, it goes to social media, oh, the Seek One guys, you know, cussed us out, this, that. And it's like, no, we recorded it. I handled it very calmly and professionally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when I'm calling someone to get hunting permission or, or retrieval permission, I'm recording what is being said so that if for some reason someone's like, I didn't say that. It's like, yes, you did. You know? So we record stuff to protect ourselves. And this was kind of one of those situations. So this lady, and again, I love these people to death. Now they're, they're awesome. But I understand where they were coming from at the time that this mom was concerned for her kids. She, I think this guy, who has now been kicked off that property, like kind of went spreading rumors about me. I think he said I was hunting with a firearm because the first thing she said was like, wait, this is the same neighborhood, same neighborhood. And the same, the same guy that's in in the industry said you're hunting with a firearm. I think the guy, yes. I think that that guy who was in the industry said I was hunting with a firearm because the first thing this woman said, or woman said was like that I was, you know, poaching and hunting with a gun and like, you know, my, my kids live in this neighborhood. Like, how could you be shooting a gun and that kind of stuff? And, and that's, she, how, that's how he was trying to get you kicked off. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but the, I don't, I don't know. The homeowner was super clear. Like I was a bow hunter. She was like, she was like hundred percent on my side. Um, and saw how this other dude was just being very crooked about it all. And, uh, I just think that this guy that, you know, sort of was being two faced, then just kind of mouthed off to some of his friends that lived around there. 
hey, like maybe it's like a hey, look out for this guy. Yeah. So I don't know what he said or anything like that. I have no idea what he said, but um, by how this family reacted to me, it sounded like he probably said some some stuff that was not pretty because these people were hot and dog cussing me. I mean, like, <laughs> F you, you mother effer. Like, you know, you shouldn't be effing here. Like, look at your effing chat tags. Like, you're from Georgia, this, that, and the other. Like, just went off. And uh, the wife was, she was very mother goose. Like, her kids were in the car. Very mother goose. Dropping like, the F-bomb with the kids in the she car? She was fired. Yeah, she was fired up. She's cool now. She's super cool. She's like, you know, big re- Republican, like, su- like super cool. Um, very, very pro hunting. And, uh, so she was like, uh, she was like, F you, like my, my kids live here and play back here. And like, you know, you can't be wandering around shooting firearms and just, and I, (laughs) I told her, I was like, all right, why don't we all calm down? And she got pissed when I said that (laughs) she was like, calm, you know, this is calm. She was like, I'm about to get out of this car. I was like, I was like, please don't do that. And uh, her husband was 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 cool, and and she, you know, he was kind of was he driving? Yeah, okay. And he was kind of playing middleman, but she did say she was about to get out of the car. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is <laughs> this is gonna get bad. And uh, so that, you know, I I I was like, I basically was like, look, we can either sit here and bicker back and forth with each other and get and go nowhere, or we can have a productive conversation here calmly. I was like, I'm not even hunting your neighborhood anymore. I was like, I'm not going to get into the situation with what your buddy did, but I was like, it was crooked and I don't want to be any part. I don't want to be a part of this at all. I was like, so I'm getting my crap and I'm get, I'm leaving this area. I'm not having any, I'm not hunting in y'all's neighborhood. Not, I don't want, I want nothing to do with this place. And when I, you know, told them that and assured them of that, like, and I, and again, told them I was bow hunting. I wasn't shooting a gun. Like she calmed down and she was like, all of a sudden all about it like kind of kind of rooting me on to get the buck and uh they invited me to dinner that night with their whole family and uh it, it, Wait, it was so that so just that you firing back and like saying that you're not hung there that's all it took to for her to kind of switch switch it up on you yeah and i also think that like i mean do you think she realized that this guy had made up a bunch of crap and Probably kind of realize in the moment that there is something else, like some sort of competitiveness going on there. I I think so because like they looked at me like I was just some, you know, evil human, like out of town, evil person. And then as we started talking, I think they like clearly like, oh, he's like a, he's like a good dude and thought that I was good enough dude to invite me to dinner with their four kids. (laughs) And like, if you would hear how that conversation started, and then end up going to a nice dinner with them. You, I mean, I bet Mitchell was like, "What in the he hell was, did I get myself into?" <laughs> I think he was extremely confused. <laughs> First day on the job, <laughs> it's like we're getting cussed out. Then they invite us to a nice dinner. <laughs> <laughs> My emotions are going all over the place. <laughs> and so, I mean, yeah, uh, that's similar to just like how the lady told me she was going to kill me, and then gave me hunting permission. You yeah. just turn it. <clears throat> and uh you know that 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 guy and I are super super good we're tight like we we still text and stuff and I, I think they've got a better understanding of like 
me and my process and, and that kind of stuff. And so, and they're probably realizing how big of a slime ball that other guy is. Now. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I want, I might on your behalf or not on your behalf, I might write a, uh, a letter to that company and just make them aware of the situation, send them a link to this podcast and let them hear what one of their, is he the owner of the company or yeah. just, no, I, I don't know if he's the owner, but he is a owner of it. Like, I, and it sounds like a, a majority owner of it. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I called the homeowner that gave me permission to cool. And I was like, Hey, would this person, like if I end up taking this deer and he was extremely butthurt, cause I'm sure he's still trying to hunt the deer. <clears throat> I was like, would he potentially, you know, try to slander me or makes up, make up some BS or like, you know, flip this story on its head, trying to make me look like the bad guy. And, uh, thousand percent. That's what she said. Yeah. She was like 1 million percent, hundred percent. That's what he would do. So, you know, I've, I've made four or five driven four or five times up there just to door knock and get spots. And I've worked my ass off to have a chance at a deer like that. And I've done everything the right way by the book, 100%. And just to have this situation of running into some slime ball. And I guarantee you, if I kill that deer, he would try to twist it. I mean, I don't, I think putting this out in a podcast before the episode drops is like almost good defense. Because I mean, now he knows that people know, like, People know the story. They don't know who it is yet. But if he tried to do twist anything, of course, we're obviously going to put his name out there. Just to protect ourselves. Yeah. I mean, he's, we, we wouldn't have to because people would realize, oh, that's that guy that they were talking about. I have the all podcast. the text messages. <laughs> I have all the text messages to prove this. Yeah. You know, where where he was, he was like, well, when I told him, I was like, man, it's illegal. First off, you're in the industry and you live in the state of Michigan. You should know the laws. Yeah. He was like, well, I wasn't planning on, on hunting over it. I was like, that doesn't matter. It's illegal to put it out. Well, he's like, well, the neighbors do it. I was like, it doesn't matter what the neighbors what a do. Chi- what a childish <clears throat> response. I also think he was trying to lean on, he was like, I want my 13-year-old son, you know, me and my 13-year-old son, like we've been hunting that deer. You're a great role model. And I was like, so is your 13-year-old son going to shoot that deer or are you going to shoot that deer? And the answer was, he was going to shoot that deer. Yeah. So, you know, it was from A to Z slime ball situation and big, I'm not going to say the guy's a a bad dude. I don't know him well enough, but everything that I have encountered with him doesn't point to a good direction. But I, I, I would strongly encourage people out there. Like don't let big deer like ruin your integrity of like who you are as a person, there's going to be other big deer. Mm-hmm. And it's like one, like I, we've seen friendships get tarnished grown men over a deer. And it's just like, you know, hell we were like that. Or I was like that early on where I was like, I'm not telling drew, you know, he's going to come kill my deer. I'm not going to tell drew. <laughs> and it like definitely affected our friendship. And then I just like, I think with enough time, you just grow up and realize like, man, that's just not, that's not it. Like mm-hmm. that's not what it's about, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, I think a lot of people when they're young they make mistakes. Like when you're still a teenager, and yeah, I was 16 when I had that mentality, not yeah. 50. But when yeah, once you actually mature, I think you need to realize like <laughs> it's not worth making, you know, making deer affect your character. Yeah, especially when you're 
you're you're trying to make, set a good example for your son. Yeah. And especially when you're in the industry. So, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just a, like I'm still shocked and it's just like you got to be careful how you, how like not everybody out there is is has the right intentions or the right motives. It's just unbelievable. Like I was I was talking to a buddy of ours today about some guy that lives here near us that apparently got like snipe permission from me at a spot that I had knocked on in the summer and couldn't get it. And now that he's like, there's a big deer on it. I got his spot. And, uh, he, I guess he figured out which spot it was. It's like, I've never even been to that spot before. People just make stuff up to make it feel like they're in the know and they're like part of the story and that they, I don't know what it is, but it's just weird. Like, I almost feel like we need to do a podcast just addressing rumors because it's kind of funny to address them, to be honest. I mean, the helicopter one's real. That one's but all real. the other ones. That one's real. <laughs> you hear it from my mouth. We drop giant bucks from high fences in helicopters in all of our spots to hunt them. Take it to the bank. It's a fact. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it. that's not true. Anyways, uh, I just think like, I don't know, man. People want to just stick their nose and stuff. I remember this was this was really taking it back to Zeus. This was going on forever. Social media has like amplified it. But do you remember the story about when I killed Zeus and yeah, that I guy was telling like saying that we got in fist fights and stuff? <laughs> oh, the uh, yeah. He was, I thought you he meant was, the other guy that took to Facebook. No, well that guy too. That guy sucks. <clears throat> um, I take that back. I shouldn't say that about people, but that guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a safe statement. I mean, he just, you know, fabricated a, you know, crazy story and it just, you know, just to, he was, his intent was to hunt the deer and he was trying to hunt the deer and he was actually saying he was going to trespass on a place I, that I had permission. I didn't, didn't know I had permission there. It's just like, you know, if the real story and the real truth of like all of this drama and nonsense had, you were able to give clarity to it all, people would be like, oh, wow. Like that's one, one story that, the guy got like it got out there and we heard about it. Just imagine how many of those types of stories where like, yeah, I ran into Lee on one of my properties and he said, you know, get the F out of here. This is my spot or whatever. It's yeah. like how many of those stories are out there that we haven't heard about and we haven't been able to put to put to bed. Some of one of, one of our buddies like <clears throat> um, was asking me, like, I guess some people knew that he knows us and was asking questions. He's like, he's like, I know the seek one guys have like a whole horde of like, you know, little minions that just door knock and get them permission in all these states, like especially uh, Tennessee. And, and, you know, he was like, I was like, dude, first off, nobody's ever knocked on a door for me ever. And second off, I don't trust like any, like if that's the spot, yeah, I'm going to go knock on the door. I'm not going to be like, yeah, man, you know, go try for me. Yeah. It's like, dude, I'll, it, you know, I'm confident in myself and my game. And no, we don't we don't have anybody that knocks on doors for us. We we had a comment the other day saying like I don't believe that y'all are just getting permission by knocking on doors. Like I live here and I know how hard it is. Uh, I know y'all are paying money for these spots. Never paid it on. It's like dude, maybe maybe we do this for full time and like <laughs> we're pr- pretty decent at getting permit. Well, I'm not. Lee's pretty decent at getting permission. Um we've never paid we've a dime. Literally never paid a dime. Sorry. Never paid a dime for hunting permission, door knocking. What was Never. another? There was another one recently. Oh, <laughs> Will, uh, our buddy Will, Nashville Will. Okay. He uh, 
it was in response to the helicopter thing. He said it was like right after he sent that the first meme that we that we ended up posting. Uh, what was this specific? So he said he went. He was at like some store, or like tackle shop or something. He may have told you this, and he talked to a guy that said, "Uh, a friend of a friend is like really close with us, and he knows for a fact that the helicopter thing is real." And uh, there was another part of the rumor I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was like something totally ridiculous that they were sedated or something. Yeah, something like that. Half sedated. Yeah. And then Will was, I think Will was like, well, I know them, like I went to high school with them, I know them personally, and I can vouch that all of what you just said is true. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? I think so. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we were in that dude's wedding. We know him a little bit. But uh, The the Zeus one, and this this is not the, this is the, this is the funny one to me. <clears throat> I got tagged in some Facebook stuff, like after I killed Zeus, and uh, this guy was on basically after the fact that admitted to me, he's like, man, I was drunk and, uh, I just, I just wanted to get in on the excitement. He's like, sorry, man, I'm a, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Something <laughs> stupid. And, uh, <clears throat> what he had said was, uh, I, I guess it was just a thread about Zeus and that particular deer. And they're like, man, this guy goes, he's like, I, I had five places to hunt Zeus and Lee went to every spot I got and he, bought my permission out from underneath me at every place. He sees he, he spent thousands of dollars blocking me out of hunting that deer. And he's like, I had years of history with that deer. And he's like, I've caught Lee multiple times trespassing up and down the Chattahoochee river. And we come to blows several times <laughs> and he knows not to mess with me. And, and he and I, you know, we know each other and, and we just, uh, you know, he knows who I am and we just, you know, we have it out for each other. And just start like it's a Hatfield McCoy situation. Yeah, and so I, this I, was a video too, wasn't it? It no. Did, what did he write it? He wrote he's multiple comments. Uh, I thought he had filmed. All something. I said was, um, I forgot what I said, but it was just uh, basically it was like, um, ah, damn it, what I say? It was like, uh, you sure about this? Because, um, this is like textbook slander, and you understand there's ramifications for that and i was like i've never met you before i have no idea who you're talking about you were not hunting zeus if you were send some pictures and i was like i've, I've we've never come to blows i've never like i have no idea who you are and he just he never thought i would see his comments is what it was yeah and that's when the next day or like when he was sober he went and deleted everything and then sent me a personal message that was like, man, I'm sorry, I was drunk, and I just wanted to get, you know, get in on the action, this, that, and the other. And it's like, you know, how many people read that and were like, you I hear, knew it. Did you hear about that? He bought all his permission, <laughs> and this poor feller, they done got fist fights over it because he done bought all his permission up. <laughs> <laughs> There's still someone latching on to that one little, little uh, comment thread. 100%. Like, I knew it. It's impossible to kill all them big deer without being slimy. Yeah. It's just I, like, it's just, I don't know, man. It's it's just funny to me. Like how many, also how many times people like, yeah, this guy says he knows you and he knows this personally. I'm like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> we've never met. That I mean, guy. a lot of times it's harmless. Like it's not someone trying to like paint a bad picture of you. It's just like they want to, they're almost like trying to convince themselves that they're. 
a part of a it. Part or, of it. And yeah. we're not that cool. I don't know why they would want to like no. even know us anyways. We're not. Pe- that's funny. Like people come up and they're like, "Man, well, two th- two things. I don't know if you get this, but two things that are said to me consistently are the first thing is, "Man, you're a lot shorter in real life." <laughs> yeah. It's like, "Damn." It's like, "Thanks." Like across the board, I've been I've been told that a hundred times. Man, you're way shorter in real life. Thanks, dude. <laughs> and then the other one is is uh, when we get to spend time with people is like, man, y'all are like normal dudes. Like, yeah. Like, what do you think we were aliens? Yeah. It's like, you know, we're normal dudes. We're super fortunate. We get to do this for a living, and we still like to hang out and have a good time. And visit with people. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if you've heard. Do people call you short? Yeah. Well, one time it was at the. Uh, it was at that tether teach and train thing. I think he might have been standing next to me, but a guy like <laughs> a younger guy came up and like that was the first thing he said. And I, I don't. I think he got nervous after that because he realized he said like didn't mean Somebody to say that, have. and then he just kind of like walked away. <laughs> but he ended up messaging me on, uh, or D- DMing me on Instagram like the next day saying, sorry, I called you short. <laughs> <was> like, Dude, <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if people think we're like 6'3", but I think it's not. like if you hold the camera low, it makes you look taller. Yeah, I think I mean, that's what We're both 5'10". It it's not yeah. like we're short, but we're not tall either. No, we're not Oompa Loompas. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're very average. <laughs> just average guys. <laughs> but... um. Yeah. So, let's get back to the deer. Yeah. How'd you kill the buck? <laughs> well, actually, no. First, the so there's more to the story of um of the dude that flagged you over. You ended up calling me the next day asking if uh, if I thought you should hunt the neighborhood, which you had already made the decision in your head. Yeah. Like if you should just back off and not stir stir up the pot, or just like be respectful to the. Because I guess that at that point, the people that you became friends with still were kind of like, we'd prefer that you not hunt here, or you just didn't want to deal with the drama at that point. So I you- almost, out of my extreme respect for the people that gave me permission, I just know that if I shot that deer there and this other guy found out about it, that it would be an, you know just a dramatic thing for the people that gave me permission originally. And they had my back when this guy was like, kick him off kick them off mm-hmm. and they're like no they kicked that dude off and still were like you can hunt here like my respect for those people i basically was like i don't want to have that dramatic situation happen and it fall back on them in any way and for that reason like my respect up for those people and what they were allowing me to do i i'm gonna just hunt my other spot yeah and the other spot you had was a mile away or something yeah. and yeah not not near as prime in that deer's range yeah i'm on the outskirts but he he range. was showing up there a little bit oh yeah i mean i you know that like the first morning that the night before bought my license i didn't realize you had to have like a, a hard copy printed out at like that you get it like uh like a store and uh like i couldn't get it at walmart and so i went to like a sportsman's warehouse and as i'm like you know, about to go to the sportsman's warehouse, I checked my phone and he's like standing right in front of the stand. I've hung in the scrape in daylight, perfect broad daylight. And I'm sitting there just like, I was supposed to be there that morning. At the swamp spot or the, the swamp spot. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So, well, I think you're a little bit more, 
don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, forgiving maybe, or like I'm, I'm less hesitant to offend somebody maybe is the best way to put it. Cause I was like, when you call, I knew, I knew what you were going to ask. And I was like, yeah, dude, (laughs) stick it to this guy, kill the deer on the property that he was trying to bait for you and probably trying to get you in trouble. You're not as tolerant of BS. Take a picture, take a Polaroid picture and put it in his mailbox. (laughs) And you're like, no, I just, I think I'm just going to, you know, stay out of it. Just mind my own business over here in this other spot. I was like, dude, you've been up there five times, (laughs) driven 10 hours every time. Like you've busted it to get permission to this place. Like kill the deer. It's 14 hours one way. 14 hours? Yeah. Jeez. But I respect, I mean, I respect the way that you approached it. And like, I guess like stepping back a little bit, I understand why you did it. I still don't know if I would have done it that way. Yeah. Um, but you ended up killing the Kentucky buck and the Ohio buck like the next week. So maybe that was a little bit of like good karma from just being respectful to those, the landowners. Yeah. I hadn't even really thought about that to be honest with you until you just said it. So I, I, and I, the, the deer is still alive. So yeah, just go kill him in the other spot too and yeah. be I'm, done with it. <clears throat> I'm going to get up there late season. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I do believe that like, uh, I do believe in karma. And I think like what goes around comes around. Um, whether it's you know a year down the road, a week down the road, ten seconds down the road, ten years down the road, like I I I think what goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. And so maybe maybe that was a little bit of uh, just you know good karma for trying to do the right thing. But you know we're all like people that know us and I'm not trying to like pat ourselves on the back. Like we're good people and I know we are. And if it's like one thing that I'm proud of, it's that we are good people. And if somebody comes up to us and I don't care who they are, like we, we take the time to get to know them, have a conversation with them. And we've seen the opposite happen. For example, I'm not going to say a name, but when we were on a certain trip Mm. overseas, when we ran into a certain somebody at the airport and that guy was just like, he's, I mean, big name in the hunting industry. It was just, he was just a dick, just mm-hmm. a jerk. And it's like, I'm really proud that we don't do that. Yeah. That we just like genuinely enjoy talking with people. And, and if we ever get to that point, if we ever do that to you in an airport, you are welcome to punch us right in the balls. That's what I, I was going to say kick in the <laughs> balls, but yes, absolutely. Like if anybody out there has an experience with us, we're like, man, those guys were douchebags. Come, you have my blessing to kick me in the balls. And if that happens. Immediately be like, you said I could. And, just, you, oh, and right. I'm like, uh, my hands will be in the air. I'm like, you're right. You're right. So, um, I mean, we're, not, we're human. We've made plenty of mistakes. Yeah. We're not, we're going to make more mistakes. But I do think that, like, I don't and everybody know, I, has bad days too. I mean, you know, if you'd have caught me, <laughs> if you'd have caught me in the four hours of driving home from that trip, like you would yeah. have been like, that guy is an ass. I just feel like the deeper and deeper we kind of get into the industry and like have more influence, there's more responsibility that comes with that, and like yeah. the more cognizant we are of making sure that we're being, you know, stewards of, of what we have. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, but, I totally it, agree. but at the end of the day, we're still sinful. We're still people, and like we are going to fall short. Yeah, and I hope that when that happens, like people realize enough that we're generally good people. <laughs> yeah, and we can come back from it. But, yeah. Um. So let's talk more about specifics of those two bucks and kind of how you killed them. Both spots you got. Would you say they were both kind of like transition areas, full range, um, core? I think that they were both spots where a buck would hold up, and um, it, it's b- pr- before they're blown up full range, like just traveling, running like crazy. I think these deer were still holding into a tighter area but it had everything that they needed the kentucky buck was you know a very i had probably permission on two three acres but it backed up to a lot of acreage that was unhuntable and it was thick it had white oaks in it it had it had food water cover tons of does and it was it was untouched never ever ever you can't hunt there period and i was the first guy to even find this place on a map. It's like this little bitty breadcrumb of a spot. And that buck, I don't think any of those deer have ever been hunted, hunted there in that spot. Now they're getting hunted like crazy one road over by multiple dudes. And I know this because I met several of them and I door knocked and found a bunch of places where they're already being hunted. So I think that it was the right spot, right place, right time for that Kentucky deer that I happened to get in an area where he just felt extremely comfortable and that time of year that that mid to late october like you know there were does in there and he was just like waiting on them like you know i i think these bucks in that that pre that october time frame like I think they find places where they're they're holding up at times every deer's different they all they all do different have different tendencies and stuff but I think some of these really old mature bucks like will shrink their range. They'll they'll leave a summer area completely. But I think that they can land in a very small mm-hmm. range where it's like Well, that's the October lull. Right. And it's like if you're not right on top of them, you're out of the game. But if you are right on top of them, like you are right in their zone. And I was I think I just happen to be right in that Kentucky deer zone. He he wasn't really on your camera though until right before you killed him. Right. You had gotten one picture of him in the summertime. I got one picture in the summer. And so this is, uh, I, I've always been a skeptic when it comes to just things in general. But the first Spartan Forge prediction, the deer prediction model, the first transition area day, you know, most like 99% of your predictions in the summertime are core area. Deer are super predictable. Mm-hmm. They're in their core areas. They're on a normal pattern. Um, I had one picture of that deer in the entire summer. So I knew, you know, that the deer existed. Didn't, didn't know what he did, though, outside of that. And the very first transition area prediction I got for that area, boom, that deer showed up. And I think he had left wherever his sort of summer area was and just transitioned over to this sort of transition area where he was holding up. Mm-hmm. And the next and several that was, days... That was right when the cold front came through, right? Yeah, yeah. 
in the next several days were core area predictions. And then, then we got hit with a bunch of transition area and then I was seeing them like crazy. And now it's kind of the timing of when I was like up in Michigan and then made the pass back through and met up with you guys in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, also looking at the Ohio buck, same deal. Uh, I didn't, I was, I was stupid and I didn't look at what prediction day we got when I first saw that buck and he showed up in that area. But what I did know was that we got the real warm spell. There's a string of just warm conditions and it was all core area. These deer were held super tight into, you know, what zone they were in. And I think that's what that deer did because there was like an eight day span. He only showed up twice on the camera we had where we were hunting that deer and we did not see him again all through that core area prediction, that span of like seven days, eight days. And I think he was just held up like super tight because it was warm. It just, it, you know, it wasn't great. And then it was like, boom, the first full range prediction day we got, we killed him. So, and he was on his feet, you know, on moving does and, you know, yeah. So working it. So and that, that spot that you were in that you killed him at looked pretty open. Yeah. It looked open. It was a, a river bottom or a creek bottom. Like one of those areas where bucks go to chase does around. Like they can see a long way. They can move quickly. There's not really bedding area. Not like the thick. perfect full range. Yeah. Perfect place. full range area. It was not one of those thick, nasty places where a buck would yeah. hold up and hide. That's something in, in the master class we kind of like broke down. Uh, a map of a suburb and kind of like highlighted certain areas that would fall within core transition and full range. And like, I feel like these bucks always, they're like constantly transitioning to the major river and Creek bottoms. So like early in the year, they're probably farther away from it. They're in like thick cover, kind of isolated off of that stuff. Then transition phase are like in the fingers that kind of start connecting to that main artery. And then the full range is like, they're in the artery. They're they're in a place where they have the highest odds of running across a doe, and like it can get from point A to point B as quick as possible. Yep. They start covering ground like all up and down that river bottom. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and like I mean, kind of like I said, like taking it back to the prediction stuff. Like I've been an extreme skeptic, and last year was our first year, you know, using those predictions and incorporating them into our tactics. And it's, I mean, it, it's, it's impossible to predict a deer a hundred percent of the time. It's impossible, but it seems like more oftentimes than not that Spartan Forge tool with those predictions is working. Yeah. Well, Bill called me the other day saying that he's been like, since we've gotten all these transition days, he's been checking his data against some like live GPS collar deer data that he has that I guess pings like every hour or whatever. Yeah. And he said that it's been, he's always said that the model is like 68% accurate. Yeah. And that that's as accurate as you can possibly get on a live animal. And he's been checking it back against the data. And he's like, it's basically saying the same thing. It's like, it's been 60 something percent accurate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's when you incorporate that, you know, it really does. It's extremely helpful. Like it, it just like in, you can knowing about like where a deer, like what his core area is, where his transition, like knowing and having history with a deer and having knowledge of that deer, like it really helps sort of put you in the right position at the right time and also not waste time or burn hunts. Like, you know, 
you want to maximize your time in a tree, your first set's your best set. And then everyone after that is a little worse, a little worse. The deer are patterning you, you're leaving your scent. And it's like the ideal situation is you spend as little, as, as little amount of hunts as possible so that you're not educating those deer. Like you want it to happen first hunt. Mm-hmm. It never happens that way, but ideally like you want to maximize your sit. So like using that tool really helps you not be burning, you know, that precious like spot of, you know, keeping yeah. your presence in there. We also want to, you want to be able to keep up with the different ranges that that buck goes through throughout the season. Like I was, I was answering a DM last night of a kid that uh, has a giant on camera. I don't, I don't even know what state it is, but he sent me a screenshot of the farm and was like, I get this buck on camera October 14th or whatever. And like just around that window, he's like, but then I don't see him. Like, what should I do? And so I, I didn't have enough of the map to really tell, but like you, a deer is going to move and you got to know, like you got to be able to look at a map and read the whole picture of the whole year and be like, okay, this is probably where he would, you know, spend his summer times. This is a good core, like a core bedroom area then this is where he's probably going to start transitioning. Like there might be some oaks or something that drop in the, in October, early September or late September. And then this is going to be where he's like really going to rut. And I mean, you, it, it's impossible to like know for sure by looking at a map, but you can get a pretty good idea and then you can start, you know, knocking on doors and trying to put the puzzle together with the cameras. Yeah. Um, but you, what you can't do is you can't just like sit in one spot and wait and think that the deer is going to be there all season long. I, I was telling that to a buddy, Cheeto, and uh, he's he's on a really big deer in, in Birmingham, and uh, he's got one spot for it. And I'm like, you got to get other places. Yeah. You got to get some more spots, like, because he's going to change. He's going to move. And, you know, I think that, I think people pigeonhole themselves a lot of time, a lot of times where, you know, you get tunnel visioned on one spot and you want it to happen at that place maybe it's the best looking spot and you've already got your stand hung and this that and the other and it's like you get get this you know kind of other place that's not as ideal or not as much acreage or whatever and you just like you know people get i think too tunnel visioned on one place they need to continuously to have have an open mind they need to get tunnel vision on one deer which is what you do well and not and not just like and this is, I think, a mistake that I've made is like, all right, I'm just going to get spots everywhere. Maybe I'll land on one. Uh, I got this spot right here. Like there's a deer showing up there. I'm going to, I'll hunt him, you know, when he's in there. It's like, no, you get a picture of a buck that you want to hunt and you f- basically forget about the other stuff. And like you hone in on that deer. And if he leaves or even before he leaves, like you need to start getting spots all around there, like looking at, looking at the map, figuring out, okay when October hits or when the rut hits, where do I think he's going to go? Cause I might, I might not kill him before November and you just have to start pulling your cameras and just like focusing on that deer. Mm-hmm. Cause if you don't, I mean, you're just honestly kind of get banking on getting lucky. Yeah. No, I, <clears throat> I totally agree. And, and, and like some of the tough spot or some of the tough parts is like the Ohio buck you know, you're super, I was super limited on where I could and couldn't hunt. And I only had kind of one other place that I could hunt that deer at. Mm -hmm. And I was already in my head putting a plan together of like, all right, I need to have sets at both to where I can potentially learn how this deer is, you know, moving from 
how he's working that area to to this area and sort of figure out like where I need to kind of head him off at, mm-hmm. figure out what he's doing and where I, where to kind of ambush. Um, but I mean, you and I have both had six, seven spots to hunt one deer yeah, easily in the past, but sometimes you're really pigeonholed on only, and that, that's the tough part is like, you know, I got lucky on that Ohio deer. I mean, I just, it was the right spot. Same with the Kentucky deer. And, you know, if those were the places that's just like, it's not going to happen there, there were no other options. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these places where we're finding these deer is like, there's like one or two lots that you can hunt. And that's why they're getting older is because you got little fingers of woods with a bunch of half acre lots. And it's like, people aren't going to look at a map and go, I'm going to get a door knock on that little half acre piece. The, the deer that we killed in Nashville, in Nashville this year, uh, the, my little spot is just like a couple acres. And some guy was like commenting on our Instagram, just being like, I know where you killed that deer and there ain't no way that you killed that deer on an acre. I'm like, they're, they're hundred percent is away, <laughs> bro. We just filmed it happen. I've shot, I've shot and had a deer die on a half acre, less than a half acre. Yeah. Before. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, some, you know, you all, like, all you need is a, is a quarter of an acre. You need the shot to happen on you need your property. The, yeah, you need the right tree. Yeah. You need the shot to happen on your property. And then it's like, you can, you can figure out retrieval permission. The, this Ohio buck, I knew 1000% that that deer was going to leave my property when I shot him. And I went ahead and had my ducks in a row and had the retrieval permission already done before we even hunted. And, you know, I killed that deer on a sliver of property, but it backed up to a a bunch of a bunch of land mm-hmm. and you know having the retrieval permission opened up all the possibilities to have it happen same there. thing on the kentucky one right same thing on the kentucky yeah. deer yeah i mean sometimes the retrieval permission ahead of time is as as important as anything and, it, and it, if you can get retrieval permission dude you can hunt a quarter of an acre a, a mm-hmm. nook or cranny and a but, lot of people don't do that yeah what you shouldn't do is get a half acre and not figure out your retrieval permission before you shoot a deer. Yeah. Because like knowing case dang good and well that it's going to run off the property. Like I mean, the one the one that I'm talking about is stubs. Like I shot the deer, I had as wide as his room for for him to kind of run before he got off, and he happened to like circle. I heart shot him. He like circled and like died right before he crossed the line. Yeah. It's like wow, I that, that. that could have gone any better. I remember that. But like, especially if you're in an area where it's kind of sensitive. I don't know. I, well, I don't know. I, I might take that back. Like, if if there's a big property next to you where you can get retrieval, retrieval permission, like, go ahead and do that. If there's a bunch more, like, half-acre lots, then it's tough to tell, tough to know where he's going to fall, but you're kind of, you're kind of setting yourself up for a sticky situation. I would agree. If if you have a big adjacent property, I'd go ahead and line it up. Yeah. But if it's, like, a bunch of properties, I would I would do it after the fact because it's like if you if you try to talk to five different people to get that appropriate retrieval permission, you may lose hunting permission because you're going to run across a few people that are like super mad about it. Yeah, We've never had an issue because most people, whether they agree with hunting or not, if they have a dead deer on their property and you're sitting there saying, look, you know, what's happened has happened. I've taken this deer. I've got permission to where where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing everything right. 
where we're at, I know, and I know you didn't agree with it, but where we're at right now is I can take that animal and put him to good use, use every bit of that animal, you know, eat him myself, my family, give it to friends, someone in need, donate it to a church, whatever it may be. I can have that animal go to a, an excellent use or it can literally waste and rot on your property. And I was like, I, for the sake of the animal, I, I, you know, I don't, I would don't, I really hope that that doesn't happen. And whether they agree with it or not, nobody wants an animal to just rot and go to waste. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have had people that I had a one recent, my buddy, uh, called me, called me too. I was, Chase. Yeah. I was like, uh, I, I actually okay. I'm actually curious about this because we we had we had retrieval permission, but we were like, what if we didn't? And the deer was ten yards across the property line. Could could you lasso the deer <laughs> and drag him across? I don't know. Probably. You're not. I mean, I'm serious. Like that's a legitimate question. I, I don't know the answer. It's tech. I don't think it's their property. What do you mean? Like just just because the deer is dead on their property doesn't mean that they own the deer. No, I, yeah, well, I I don't know. I, I have no idea. I think I, it's, I think it's different state to state. Like when you shoot some states, it's like when you shoot the deer, it becomes your property. But once it's been lassoed and pulled to your property, <laughs> but so are you thinking like like the the rope trespassed? Are you thinking like? We're gonna have a full full blown net gun for next year. That would be where sick. Where if a deer dies within fifty yards of the property line, net gun. <laughs> we got him, boys. You know what you? Oh gosh, this is this is okay. What if you had a drone? I mean, if like a deer dies, well, the helicopter is already th- there in but proximity. You can't, yeah, but you can't, if you had a little drone, you could like you know navigate the woods in between these trees and drop a little you know, hook around the deer and then pull him 300 yards. If like some landowner was like, absolutely cannot be on my place, let the deer rot. I mean, even if, if you did that and still got a ticket, it would be hilarious and worth it. <laughs> like, sir, we didn't. <laughs> did everything we could. <laughs> we did not set foot on that property. Uh, that would be hilarious. I don't know the ruling on that. I really don't. But on the on the Ohio deer, I called this place. I got retrieval permission. I got a call back and they said no. And so I had the conversation with that guy. I was like, so if this deer, I was like, sir, I hope you understand by me even having this conversation with you, you know that I'm trying to do this as to the best of my abilities and as lawfully as I can. And I was like, if that deer's five feet across that property line, you're telling me that I'm supposed to stand there and watch that deer rot. And he said, yes. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> and then luckily I got a call back from who the guy who was actually in charge of that property. And he was like, no, he's like, you spoke to the wrong dudes. They are not hunters. They don't get it. They get it at all. He said, you're good, man. He said, shoot me a text ahead of time. And, uh, that's exactly what we did. So, but uh, that was the that's the only situation where I've literally had someone tell me and I I phrase it that way it's like so you're telling me if that deer's 5 feet across the property line and I could literally take 2 seconds to get him out get him dressed up taken care of and donated or sit there and watch the deer rot you're telling me to watch him rot and he said yep that's the only time anyone's ever told me that yeah 
I mean, I, I think that's just them flexing their ability to prevent you from hunting. May, yeah, like, maybe. knowing that it's before you've killed anything. Yeah. I wonder if his response would be different if it was like, there's a deer on your property right now. It's rotting. Can I get it? Yeah. I don't know. We've never, we're fortunate. We've never really had, had that issue yet. Um, but it did happen to a buddy of ours like a week ago. And uh, I don't know. That's a tough, that's a tough thing. Yep. What else on these deer? Is any any other kind of like points of worth talking about? Um. Yeah. I mean, the stuff we talk about in the master class, but like the access to these deer were, were perfect. There was other dudes who were hunting all these deer, both of them, especially the. Kentucky I'm surprised deer. that pictures haven't come up of that deer yet. So, so someone's already someone's already trying to like stir the pot on the Kentucky deer, saying, "Yeah, but he was trespassing where he put his camera." Oh, uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Same deal. This guy went online and was like, "I know where he shot this deer. I have pictures of it. He was in a place he can't hunt." And then he sent a screenshot of where his trail cam was on a map to another guy who I'd spoken to and become friends with, and it was on a piece of property that does not allow any hunting, any you know, hunting whatsoever, certainly not to run a camera either. And my buddy called him out and be like, dude, you're trespassing on that property. Like I've spoken to them personally, like nobody's allowed on that place. And this is the dude. <laughs> you that saw was, that going differently in your head, didn't you? Right. It's like, <laughs> you're an idiot. Why would you do that? Like, why would you admit to that? And it's like, you're also out here trying to like posting these pictures, trying to get, you know, Lee in trouble. When I'm and I I commented back on that Facebook page, I was like, "I'm an open open book, guys. Ask away. Everything's documented. Sign permission, retrieval permission. Everything's documented. Had a conversation with the right, you know, everything was a thousand percent. And I was like, everything's filmed. Everything's documented. Ask away. Nothing to hide. Ideally, I don't want people to know where I killed this deer because mm-hmm. I don't want you know people." You know, you don't you don't ever you don't ever want people knowing where you killed deer, but yeah, this guy was posting pictures, being like, he was he was in an area that's, that doesn't allow hunting when that dude was in the area that doesn't allow hunting. <laughs> well, you're saying he was in a it was in a city that doesn't allow hunting. Yeah, but you were in the city next door. Uh, yes, I was not in the city that he was, but he was also on a property yeah. that was owned by a certain you know deal that does not allow anyone on their property for any reason. Classic. So genius, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that's it. Um, it, dude, it's just, you know how much, how much work has gone into these things and it's just one of those years. God. This thing is nuts. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how I would ever top a year like that. I, I mean, the 170 in Kentucky, the 180 in Ohio and the 190 in Tennessee. That's, I mean, if you don't kill 200 this year, that's, pretty sad you ain't you ain't a real hunter unless something crazy we gotta make some phone calls some high fences or something <laughs> they've been shorting us yeah <laughs> they're just teasing us it's only or just turned november i feel like the season has been so long it always but, feels like that feels but, that way it's not even halfway also, done i know but also it feels like it's gone by so fast yeah yeah i just being home and not really hunting and just kind of like being frustrated and waiting for my something big to show up on my cameras. It feels like I haven't hunted in forever, 
but like we hunted August and September pretty dang solid. (laughs) And then, I mean, you've obviously hunted a lot more than I have the last month, but it does. It feels like it's, feels like it was turkey season yesterday. I know. And it's November. Well, what's your plan on the, the Michigan deer? Uh, I mean, those cameras have just, he hadn't been in there. So what I, what I think is when it, there's does all in it. And I think like later, you know, as it gets closer to Thanksgiving, I think it's going to turn on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also think I'm in a place and that's in that marsh. That's I think late season, they'll get in it pretty heavy too, just cause it's, there's cover and cover so limited up in that time of year. So I'm going to keep watching those cameras and kind of see how that, that one unfolds. I'm glad that we've at least laid out the, the background of, you know, probably the drama to come if I did. Well, now he knows, now the guy knows like, oh, you're hunting a marsh about a mile away. Oh, I'm going to find you. He's going to be, maybe, not, it's, maybe be it's three miles. <laughs> maybe it's a hundred yards. Maybe you're actually hunting the spot that you originally got. <laughs> maybe I am. So, well, congrats. Thank Heck you. of a season so far. Heck of a little uh, jaunt there up to a couple states. I was really hoping that you're just going to suck it up and go kill the Michigan one all on the same trip and have <laughs> three heads in the back of your car on your way home. That would have been. And just mic drop when you walk in. The journey. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the, the most epic journey of all, but this one was still pretty, pretty epic. Golly. Well. Yeah, I mean. Mic drop and just be done. Yeah. Yep. Except for that other giant that just randomly showed up at one of your Atlanta spots. I need to go feed that place and just see if what's running around over there. If that we got a weird picture of a deer and like if it's not a bush or some sort, I don't know, man. That deer looked huge. Yeah. If it's, I don't know. We might think it might be debris in the background, but I don't think it is. I don't think so either. I think it's a rogue like one ninety two hundred that just. Happened to pass through. If it is, he's huge. If that was his actual rack, he's a freaking monster. Yeah. But which those those bucks exist in that they area. They do. They do. Well, until next time, we, yeah. we won't know. <sighs> we shutting her down. Shutting her down. Shut her down.